Today on Talk About That, I need closed captions at the movies and get a zero for the day. Meanwhile, John lets his daughter watch Tell Me Boy and makes a bad butterfly metaphor. Plus, a conversation about writing first drafts and being kind to yourself while creating something. Today's episode is not sponsored by John Lennon's Frozen Mixed Vegetables. Give peas a chance. Let's do it. It's a swirling vortex of comedy and life. <laughs> Let's talk about that, Johnny. A typhoon of yeah. jovialness. There is a... Joviality? Joviality. Jocularity. Um, there is a possible bad weather in Nashville today, so that's... Uh, it's a coming a thing now. It's a thing it happens every February where you go, oh man, it's supposed to be seventy degrees tomorrow, and you go, well, you know what that means? Duck and cover. That's not supposed to happen. No, I was leading the youth last night, and we actually had a visitor kid, and I went to prayer request because we were going to head over to Chick Fil A and play cards so we can all cheat and slap each other's hands and stuff. It's, it's, this is the most youth pastor sentence that's ever been uttered. Oh, absolutely. And so <laughs> we're going to go play cards at Chick Fil A and cheat and slap each other's hands, <laughs> like you do. And uh, it was like she requested; she was like that we don't have tornadoes tomorrow. Like yeah. that's now a thing for kids around here because yeah. we've had so much weird weather now. Um, yeah. It's not good. It's one of my favorite jokes, by the way, that you tell uh, right now is about... Uh, the devastation you... of tornadoes. Johnny, it's Wait. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dark joke. Well, you talk about the... Uh, oh, you know about the dual climate dual control, climate control. And the minivan we rented or whatever. My yeah. wife's always freezing. She pumps the AC, or she pumps the heat on her side. I got to pump the AC on my side to counteract her, and yeah. we made a funnel cloud. And my dog got struck by lightning. <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, Johnny, in all seriousness, uh, rest do, in peace. Do, Wait, we, no. <laughs> 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 Wait. Oh my God! Anytime we start with the words "in all seriousness," yeah, it's you know it's not going to be serious. It's not going to work out for us. It's not going to happen. I don't know. Well, I, so I went to the movies uh, last week, this past week, and uh, you know it's still empty. I don't know what's going on with movies, but it's not. It does not look good. Well, they're getting five hundred dollars a person, so they don't have to have many. No, it's like a... That's true. Well, we sneak in snacks, so... Wow. Yeah. So you are contributing to the downfall of the theater industry. Yeah. Well, they get, oh, me, yeah, for, they get me for 25 bucks a month, though, because I have the weird, like, regal pass. How, do you go every month? You can't add money, John. Well, let me tell you something. That's just... That is straight up... Literally, I go to the movies because I have luxury. that thing. Like, I forget to cancel it, and then I'm like, well, we gotta go. This is like, otherwise it's a waste You're of money. You're movies you hate. Yeah. No, I went and saw um, Death on the Nile. That, is it kind of like a comedy uh, murder mystery thing? Is it kind of got some tongue-in-cheek? No. Okay. No, Straight it's not. Up. A, okay. It's not a comedy. Because, you know, what was that? Knives Out? Like, there's, there's, Knives Out's more comedic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like a dark comedy. Death on the Nile is like a remake of Agatha Christie. Like, it was made into a movie in the 70s. As well. Agatha Christie's novels, Death yeah. on the Nile is one of her novels. You know, she did Murder on the Orient Express, yeah. and she did, you know, and then there were none, and whatever, Ten yeah. Lindians, all those all those books. Yeah. So a lot of them were made into movies, really bad movies in the 70s, so now they're redoing them. And so, you know, he's the famous detective, and you know the famous detective in the Agatha Christie novels is Hercule Poirot, and he's a very, like, French, French, French accent. Wow. And so I didn't know that you spoke French, but it's unbelievable I hearing I, it. It's bad. <laughs> it's it's real bad. I speak Fringlish. So the the thing is, though, I'm so spoiled watching the shows at home with the captions on. 
So when I go to a movie that has <sighs> really quick dialogue or any accents, I'm like, I, I didn't get. Uh, and it's a very important that you know details in these kind of movies because it's a murder mystery. It's a whodunit. Right. So he'll he'll start talking, and he's it's a brilliant performance by Kenneth Branagh. He was just like, oh, hell, oh, hell, oh, and I'm like, I got murder. That's all I heard. I heard murder. <laughs> and you just, I'm totally lost. Oh my gosh! But no, it's very good. It's very good and a very good adaptation. That's interesting. We were watching, so I had to turn the captions on last night on a masterpiece theater show. I don't think it's just an old person thing. Like I think people imagine that it's about um, not being able to hear properly because i got the volume up i hear what they're right. saying it's just processing because i think things are such rapid fire now yeah like you have these shows now especially like these reality shows where people are talking over each other mm-hmm. so the captions help you in that instance where you're like all right she interrupted her but what did she say and you get the full sentence of when each party I, when i go to caption like an audiogram from our podcast yeah because our flow is very like we step on each other on purpose, you know. Yeah, and it's just natural. Johnny is so natural. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not combative at all. <laughs> We're it, not just battling for attention. But it is interesting when I try to like because it'll do an auto caption. You have yeah. to correct it, you know, and just just read through it. But it's like, oh, like dot dot dot. Then you say something dot dot dot. Then I say something, and mm-hmm. and then mm, you're mm-hmm. right. So, well, yeah, it is rapid fire. Some people when they edit those, they change the color. Have you seen that? Where like one person will be yellow, one person will be Why white. Why are you always trying to create more work for me? I You're mean, like, why can't you change? I the think color? it'd be better for our fans and oh listeners. My gosh. Why don't you learn how to do something? How about that? Wow. <laughs> what color is that going to be in, big guy? <laughs> no, we were watching. The, so it was so funny. We had friends who we were telling them about Downton Abbey. You've never watched Downton Abbey, no. have you? And so it's another movie coming out of the, of Downton Abbey people. There's a, another movie. Uh huh. Downton oh, Abbey: The Next Generation or something. A second Downton. This one's movie. got the bald captain. So <laughs> it's like Star Trek. <laughs> it is. It's down, I think it really is Downton Abbey: The Next Generation or Downton Abbey: The Next Chapter or something. Oh my so gosh. it's like their kids, maybe. I don't know. Wow. Well, the, they're foppish British kids that don't finish sentences. Well, inevitably, right this way. Well, I have other friends, uh, Matt Linnea, who are just like you. Like they were completely uncultured, and because they had not seen Downton. Because <laughs> what's what American uh-huh. who considers himself a cultured adult right. has not watched Downton Abbey? But they kind of made fun of us, like you do. Yeah, um, but now they're totally into it. Oh, like they're binging it, and they're like one season. They're probably done now by the time of this recording. How many seasons? Six. Oh wow! And they That's were like. In season five, and they were beginning to mourn already because yeah. there's a grief, Johnny, knowing it's going to end. Because when uh-huh. you're in it, it's magical. But there's a movie. Yeah, but the movie. See, I, the movie, you didn't like the movie. The movie's good. Oh, okay. Here's the problem: Downton Abbey's already an hour plus yeah. episode. Uh-huh. So it was just like watching a long episode mm. because the, the a season is so much. Yeah, you know, like you're getting twelve hours or whatever of this, and you watch it, we're like, oh, well, that was one of those episodes because each one is as good as a movie. So, I'm, what I'm saying is, though, in the very beginning, it's funny for everyone who watches it. It takes time to get accustomed to the British brogue, right? The rhythm and the the cadence yeah. and the yeah. So at first, you turn on the captions, and then there's a moment in time, a magical moment, uh-huh. like episode five or six, where you're like, "I think we got this." It's like that moment in math when you just suddenly understand algebra. Yeah. Except I never achieved that moment. <laughs> So maybe I'm not the best candidate for understanding. <laughs> Laura suddenly, was but. listening to me. She texted. I was to, like, you know what? I think business math 
may be what I'm going to do in 10th grade. <laughs> <laughs> Laura the other day was listening to me t- uh, help Sadie through homework. And she said she texted with one of our friends and included me in it. It was like, I just heard John say, what do you do next? Distributed property. And she goes, I realized I have no idea what distributed property is. <laughs> She's like, I'm so glad he used to teach math. But it is. It's like no, like riding a what bike. What is a distributive property? You don't know what distributed property is? Uh, I mean, I know what distributed, like when you distribute property to people. <laughs> I've done that Johnny, before. Johnny, it'd be, it'd be as if so you, if, a property. if you had parentheses and yeah. you had a mm-hmm. monomial of some sort, meaning like 2x or a binomial, 2x plus 3. Uh-huh. So it has a variable. <laughs> so the 2x is one thing and plus 3 is the other. And you have parentheses <laughs> and outside of it is another number, like 3. So then you distribute. If, if you're listening to this, John's nose is starting to bleed. Three like times a tiny trail. Two, I'm like writing, in Stranger Things when 11 starts bleeding. <laughs> I run a writing endless equations on the window of my office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a goodwill it's, hunting. It's a, it's a beautiful mind thing. Um, yeah. But no, so, <laughs> but I do, I love the moment. And we were watching a show last night called All Creatures Great and Small. Yeah. It's set in like late 30s England. Okay. And a guy has come from Glasgow, Scotland, and he, it's a veterinarian practice. Yeah. And so like, how did, so it's a lot of either treating cows and, you know, they, they are, it's like this weird time in, in Western culture where people are having more pets. Yeah. But there's also a huge still agricultural, agricultural. Ooh. And distributive. Yeah. And distributive. What you do is you take the cow, put them in a parentheses. <laughs> and so it's like this weird, they're, you know, they're living this very agrarian life, but it's got touches of modern. So there's horses on the road and they're in cars, you know, okay. and it's a horses, really good show. Wait a minute. Horses are in the cars? Yes, cor- horses are driving <laughs> the cars. I couldn't believe it. Corsets. Wait. Horses were in corsets in cars. <laughs> That's how you get. It's the only way you can get them in the car. You got to be like, seize this thing up, open the back hatch. Put the horse in a corset. A horset, we call it. Oh my goodness! If I saw a horse in a corset driving a car, let me tell you something, Aaron. If you're listening, that, I think that's one of the seven seals of Revelation. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know his return is nigh. If cartoon aarist, cartoonist Aaron is listening, yeah. if what we need, yeah. I'm sorry, buddy, you've done so much for us. He has done a lot, but we really could use a sketch of a horse in a corset driving a car in 1930. It's not or like a 60s car, like a horse in a corset driving a Corvair. <laughs> You know, which they got, and then they they can get rid of those because that was the Consumer Reports. That was Ralph Nader. This sounds like, unsafe at any speed. That was that car. You haven't listened to Hamilton or watched Hamilton either, but this sounds eerily like yeah. uh, Hercules Mulligan, which is a real guy's name in history, and a kind of a dirty part of his introduction song about yeah. corsets. And anyway, I can't tell you. Those Hercules Mulligan does. It sounds like a an eighties pro wrestler. Oh, it's unbelievable! And if like you he comes out and he's the he's the the heel and everybody's booing him. Like even a historian, Ron Chernow, in the book Hamilton, like he he even references it, which you don't hear that a lot from historians. He's like, and and one of their friends was Hercules Mulligan, who had the best name ever. Like it was something yeah. to that effect. No, that is like, the best name ever. I and agree with he that. was a spy, so he was he ended up being he stayed in New York when New York fell to the British, and he worked as a tailor's apprentice, and everyone which was a huge deal in American history, by the way, because New York was under British control basically since the beginning of the war. It fell. Washington fled, and, and they never retook it until mm-hmm. the surrender. And so basically it was the headquarters of the British operations. So anyone who stayed, you know, in some ways you're kind of considered a traitor. So after the fact, a lot of the new lawsuits were like this retribution where the new patriot government, they were – 
trying to take away Tory sympathizer businesses and deny their licenses and all this stuff. So Hercules Mulligan worked as a tailor's apprentice, but he was actually gathering information from British soldiers the whole time and feeding it to Washington and feeding it to Hamilton so that, you know, that was a double agent. Yeah. So, so they had to convince everyone that actually, no guys, Hercules was one of us the whole time. You know, they had to like clear his name. Anywho, Johnny. Interesting. Why did I never hear of this person? It's a great name. It's a great name. So, but if my name was Hercules Mulligan, I'd be a famous comedian by now. Oh, absolutely. Well, if I had hair, I'd be a senator. Like there's all kinds of what ifs, Johnny. You need to be like, Five inches taller, maybe wow. two. Wow. I know. Listen, I, I met I'm thinking with a, like a 6'2 John Driver would be able to take over uh, the world. I do feel like everybody I meet who's successful is tall and has great hair at my age. Huh. And it doesn't feel fair. If I had your height. Okay. And. But you got to have my posture, too. It's a, you know like you're actually 6'7. <laughs> you <gotta throw, laughs> but he walks around at 6'3. Yeah, you got to throw in the hunch. <laughs> But I, there was, anyway, I got to finish the story. It's not making any sense. All creatures, great and small. Sorry. He went to ask for the, he's Scottish, but it's not too thick. But he was asking his girlfriend's dad, who, again, this guy owns a farm. And I'm telling you, I don't know if it was Welsh. I don't know what it was. Mm -hmm. I could not understand what the man was saying. It did not seem like English. And we had to stop and turn it on. So I don't know if, Downton's like uppity English. So you you get there. But you get like that agrarian countryside, like uh-huh. deep brogue. It was like, again, I don't know, some, maybe it was like leftover from Anglo-Saxon days. I don't know. The so. only time I don't turn it on is I'll turn it on because it'll be just stuck to on. And then I'll be like, all right, we're watching Seinfeld. I don't want this. Or we're watching a, a even something that we've not seen before. Yeah. But it's a comedy. I don't like it because it gives you the whole line. And with Before, joke, yeah, there's no timing. With jokes, yeah. it's not about that. Um, so I don't like that. In fact, when I'm doing caption videos now, I'm getting ready to release some new videos of stand-up clips. And I saw on people's Insta stories that there's like a thing that they added now where it'll caption, like, as you say the word, it appears. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what I want. How do I do that? And I had to ask like a bunch of, you know, younger comics, like, how are you doing this? Yeah. And then I'd give them like a Werther's original and be like, all right, sport. And I'd tousle their hair. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said that to one comic that I asked is the guy named Jaron Myers, who's a buddy. He's like 20 years younger than me. And I said, how do you do this? And I said, I promise I'll, I'll, get, I'll, re- I'll return some wisdom to you if you'll help me with this. I said, I promise I'm trying. I said, I'll, do, I'll teach you how many coats of wax you need to put on your sedan. <laughs> I can t- teach you how to change your brake pads. And he responded back with, where do you find those strawberry candies? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really great line. That's great. <laughs> and I said, they just appear. You get an opaque dish in your house, right. and they just appear. They, it's, <laughs> you hear a sound coming from the next room, and you go, oh, they're back. Hey, look. <laughs> they refill on their own. It, what's crazy is uh, I sent to some youth pastor candidates. Yeah. Um, they said, hey, can you jump on a call? And I said, I sent them the meme of Val Kilmer's Doc Holiday that said, sure, I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah. And we got on the call immediately, and they were laughing. So he's 27, she's 22. And they said, so we were laughing because – I said, you have no idea who that is, do you? Like I just finished her line. Yeah. I was like, we have no idea what that is. What the, I was like, you've never heard a tombstone? Yeah. I mean, you're 27, not yeah. seven. And right, I, realized, I mean, yeah, we have friends who are in – our youth group. they like – Tombstone's one of their favorite movies. Dude, they had no – Like Evan loves Tombstone. They had nothing – Seth and Dane probably love Tombstone. Like, Tombstone's a great movie. I love Tombstone that when I had COVID, I watched it. I watched it, the whole thing. 
Yeah. And it still is good. You Johnny. watch someone slowly die of a respiratory illness. <laughs> that's what that's what cheered you up. You're like, this helped me get through this. <laughs> At the end, yeah, what I envisioned was you, know, you were sitting by my bedside, we were uh-huh. playing cards, just yeah. like, Johnny, if you have ever cared about me, just leave. But I would have been saying, like, Where's W? And he was like, Probably walking on water. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's a great movie. And I told, and, and here's the deal. You know, it's they, not Huckle. You know, I read somewhere. This is maybe just one of those things. It's like on the internet, so oh. it's maybe not true. But I'm going to confirm it uh, or deny it. But I heard that it's not Huckleberry that he's saying. It's Hucklebearer, which is like a pallbearer. Oh. So he's basically saying, like, I'll make sure you're dead. Like oh. I'm going to kill you. That's what he's saying. So it's not really Huckleberry. It's Huckleberry. But we have to say Huckleberry. We've said it so long. Ago. I know, but maybe I'm, maybe that's not true. But I, it makes sense. This that is he like Bruschetta, Bruschetta, bro. Like if you what go is back Huckle- and say it right? Right. We there's two versions now. Maybe yeah. How pretentious would it be for me to make a new meme that says I'm your Huckleberry? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> then someone's gonna like, what are you yeah. saying, idiot? And then yeah. again, the youngins are like, what does any of this? Yeah, mean? Well, none yeah, of it. They yeah, just they thought, just go, isn't he the worst Batman? They would they would know Val Kilmer is. <laughs> Didn't he put out that? A whole documentary about himself. Yeah, I, I think it's wa- actually pretty good. I though. have to I haven't watched it, but, yeah. but I think he has like behind the scenes, like almost VHS footage of being on the set at Top Gun and stuff, doesn't he? Maybe and it's yeah, it's his whole life and then his cancer uh, struggle yeah. and all the things that happened and everything. So yeah, he's a, he's a fascinating he's dude. Not a sponsor, but not Val Kilmer. Not a sponsor. We're giving him a we, lot of exposure. Right we now. asked. We asked. He said no. <laughs> Well, once you called him the worst Batman, I think that kind of did it. Uh, well, Clooney wasn't great either. No, I would have put Val ahead of Clooney. Clooney was in the worst Batman movie. I don't know. I liked Val better than Clooney. Yeah, you're right. Batman, you're think. right. He's the second worst Batman. Clooney, I don't know. I think Affleck gets a lot of... Affleck, Affleck gets a lot of flack. <laughs> if you will. But I think he was good. But I think that he was... That Batman costume was bulky. Yeah. And he's trying to fight in it, but it's like, it's big. He was a big Batman. He yeah. felt a little barrely. Yeah. He's your huckleberry. He is a huckleberry. <laughs> now, you know, I... And now we're going to have Pattinson. They just keep making them. They're going to keep making them until we stop going. Whenever, it's like, just it's like, like Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. I mean, Well, maybe like, for it's like, no, he's the Batman for my generation. Now Sadie will know Robert Pattinson is Batman. Sadie has not watched any of the Batmans. But you know what She's Sadie... She's not into Batman? You know what has, Sadie has watched now? Okay. Because of her dad. What? Tommy Boy. Oh, wow. Look at you. I did fast forward through one scene. Oh, I know which one it was. Yeah. But the standing at the window scene? Yes. <laughs> yes. But I I did realize there's a lot of language. Oh, yeah. Every movie, though. I, again, when, I, when we watched Goonies, I was yeah, like, oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Foul mouth kids, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's that weird, like, I'm always like, I don't know. Making a big deal about it makes a big deal about it. Yeah, that's true. Just let her experience it because she's she's experienced she's experiencing language and right in the no, I mean from the movie, just from her mom and I. Right. So yeah, it's a but look, you hear cussing every day around here, kid. Did she like Tommy Boy though? I think or was she, she like oh I I like it because you like it. Dad, I think she liked it because I liked it, and oh, she did. Boy. Now Sadie's pretty brutally honest with me. Did you do the thing where you're watching the scene and you keep like looking over at her like, huh, huh, That's what huh? she does with me. She uh, watches me the whole time. Oh, okay. So, like, she does get joy in in me laughing at things that she thinks is funny. So she did – see, that movie, I realized watching it now with more I – I didn't have you 
or any of my dumb middle school mm. minded friends right. watching it with me. So we're all just dying hysterically. So th- now this movie has to stand on its actual merit oh, right. for this kid as a motion picture. Yeah. And so I, I was, I was looking at it much more objectively and critically. Yeah. And, and like, again, I was beginning to evaluate, okay, I understand how the exposition of this plot is going to oh, go. Oh, no, you don't do that. Well, it really does take off after his dad dies. Like, it's a little just slapstick up uh-huh. to that point. Because right. that movie kind of gets you in the end a little bit. Oh, yeah, of course. And there's this... He may, heart. Yeah. But, I mean, but he's he's upside down smoking a bong in the beginning, yeah. you know, and you're like, wow, this was... You're like, this is just like my life. This, yeah, this is really spoke to me. I connect to this. <laughs> <laughs> she loved the part uh, what she's quoted so far from it mm-hmm. which is a l- way lesser line oh interesting because every line that would come I'd go okay your Uncle Wes and if Wes listens your Uncle Wes quotes this all the yeah. time um, like, and I realized Wes and I quote this movie there's about 10 lines oh right that are just standard fare right, every time that, we see each other dumb and dumber yeah yeah uh, but the one is when when Tommy and his dad at the wedding David Spay walks in and he's like, you know, hey, how do we look? And he goes, chubby. <laughs> I think that's the champagne talking. You know, she 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 thought that was super funny. Yeah. And then I have to also then grapple with the idea that you know you can't go to school and call someone chubby. You're going to get suspended. <laughs> like we don't live in this time anymore. Yeah. So basically, I've poisoned her mind. Uh, well, if she follows it up with that's the champagne talking. <laughs> You did what? Not sure. Yeah. Double suspension. Yeah. Um, she liked it, but yeah, after they were on the road trip, she was yeah, she was cackling pretty it's good. Double suspension thing. <laughs> I mean, you, I gotta, used to, you know what I used to get? I don't know if this is still a thing. Did teachers still threaten people with you get a zero for the day? Do you remember that? Or it's going on your permanent record. That was another one. Oh, I wow. remember getting a zero for the day, and I never knew that was. I was like, wait a minute. And now I'm a doll. I go. That's not a thing. We yeah. don't have a grade for each day. Yeah, but you I remember can... being in school and hearing that. All right, you do it one more time, and you're getting a zero for the day. Well, you do. You can give a day's participation grade and work it in. That's how kids can make good grades. That's or funny. that's how you didn't. It's Evidently. one of those. It's I, a... I got what was called satisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> I work in a satisfactory. <laughs> we make satis. No. I got some zeros for the day for being a smart aleck in wow. class a couple of times, for sure. I, I'm shocked. and uh, But uh, it did not go on my permanent record. And if it did, who cares? Where is that record? Yeah. Right. That'd be funny if like, you, you stumble upon that. You stumble upon everyone's permanent records, and you're like, oh, man. Oh, my gosh. This guy got an S- minus one back on day 37 of grade four. <laughs> he got double suspended. Yeah. Oddly enough, back to prayer request last night, another kid... I was kind of making a funny prayer request, but they got into a conversation. Mm-hmm. They were like, you know, uh, school, uh, I have trouble being motivated. They're in middle school. Like, and then the kid was like, what's the point, really? And the other kid's like, well, if you do well in middle school, then it helps you get into better classes in high school. So they're having like this debate about, oh, and right. the truth is, I go home and tell my wife, she's like, well, she's kind of right. Middle school really doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Like, but you can't tell them that. Well, it is a weird thing to say, too, like. It's almost like when uh, George Costanza gets the promotion at work, and they're like, "It's a lot more responsibility, <laughs> not much more money." Like that is like if you if you're really good, they give you more things to do that are harder, yep. so that you can break down those walls too. And then they go, "Oh man, you're really good with that sledgehammer. Here's a bigger wall." <laughs> <laughs> That's how I have felt that way. Like there is a this is the, so. If any of my publisher friends are listening, I'm sorry. 
but I definitely do this. I did not do this in the beginning. In the beginning, I always wanted to exceed expectations, and I do. Yeah. I still, if I, I tell clients I'm working with, I'd like to exceed your expectations. So with an author I'm working with, I will try to beat a deadline. So we set a deadline for, you know, Friday, they whatever. And I mean, I'd love to have it to you by Wednesday of that week, you know, and you yeah. give me extra time. Maybe, I don't know. I just, I just want you to feel like we're, I never want to be late. Uh-huh. Rarely, maybe once or twice in, in the writing career, I've been like, hey guys, you know, I got COVID or whatever. I need to push this back a few weeks. But, or the author has mm-hmm. an issue going. And there's usually a lot of elasticity in yeah. those deadlines. They're there's, like, cool, yeah. you know, take a few days or whatever. They, they know. Yeah. And so, but I hate being late on things. But like this last, one of these books I'm working on now that comes out later this year, we were like, because the company or the organization I was working with, they have a bunch of other stuff besides just this book, uh-huh. like a bunch of other courses and other things. And so the book, we had this window. <laughs> so we finished the manuscript like three months ahead of the publisher deadline because the oh, publishers nice. already decided when it has to go out in look their catalog. You, look at you overachieving. And so there was this conversation. I was like, look, guys, here's what I know about editors. I love editors. I need editors. They make everything better. Yeah. But you give it to them this early. Their job is to find something to pick wrong it apart. with it. Yeah. yeah. If you hand this in to them three months early, they're probably be like, you know what? Well, we notice there's a lot of these developmental. Like, why uh-huh. don't you guys? We have three months. Why don't you go ahead and just rewrite this part? Right. And I was like, and maybe that'd be right, and maybe it'd make it better. You're, you're tipping your hand out. You're giving all your secrets away. Sorry, guys. Yeah. But you slow your roll. You're acting like that anyone that we know. That's true. Nobody or does. that anyone at all is listening to this. But, but I will um, say you're right about beating deadlines and like. Gauging expectations. There's a thing about that. Like somebody told me that when I was starting in comedy and they were a musician, they were like a kind of a, what you call a utility musician. They'd been on some big tours and they were starting their own projects too. It's a Nashville musician. And they said the key to a successful career that I found is being reliably good, occasionally great and hardly ever sucking. Mm, Yeah, that's good. You know, like if you're reliably good and you're occasionally great and you hardly ever suck, you're going to work a lot. But if you always are swinging for the fences yeah. and talking about how great you are and then you have a letdown, like it's so mm. much more jarring. That letdown is more jarring, you know. So I don't know. I try well, to stay in the margins, John. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm a, I'm a forecaster. Yeah. Meaning I will tell I will tell authors I work with all the things that they – I try to tell them all the things they should expect from this process. Yeah. Like – and I usually make it way worse than it usually is. Like, listen – Voice development, I'm going to bring you a sample, and there's a chance you're going to hate all of it, okay? Because mm-hmm. that's – but that's normal. Right. Now, the truth is it's not normal. I've never had anybody who's like, well, once. <laughs> once I tried – and I did not get the book. Once I was writing – and back to the brogue, oddly enough, I was writing for a guy who was Scottish, and, yeah. and there was a possibility I was going to write. And it was an amazing accent, amazing communicator. And so I wrote like this very out of the box. It was a conversation piece. I wrote this. I actually pitched this whole kind of unique idea of me having a conversation and almost like telling the story, me having a conversation because we're going to have this like theological conversation back and forth, you know? And Uh, he was like, lovely party, but you weren't invited. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, okay, he goes, we don't all do that. (laughs) We're not all James Bond. Stop it. It was very, and I, I, I like described. Yeah. Johnny, I think I described the words coming out of his mouth like oh, no. as if he had had a like a big butterfly inside and suddenly it came out, you know, like oh, imagine no. it. it was some weird like, I don't know. And my agents were like, this is really good writing, uh, 
But like his pet peeve in life, because he lives in the United oh, States, right. is pointing out his accent. Oh right. So we're not going to give this to him. <laughs> so he oh, never saw okay. it. Thank God, you know. But yeah. it was like a. So that was one of the times that I I did not nail. Yeah. The voice development. Most of the times, though, if you get a recording of somebody. Or just assuming somebody would be really verbose just because they have an accent. Well, he is verbose. He's a great communicator. Yeah. I just described his verbosity. As a butterfly emerging from <laughs> a mouth cocoon. Like a cocoon of a mouth. <laughs> In retrospect, actually, I don't remember exactly what I wrote. I think I'm making it out a lot worse than it really was. But. I mean, usually, though, I like to go, hey, you can expect that we're not going to nail this the first time. Yeah. I think that's just good expectation. And I, But if you did, then then, then you got to, like, backtrack. But also, yeah. maybe you love it the first time. Right. So don't go looking for things. Just just feel it. And if this you, feels like manipulation yeah. on your part. No, it's not. It's forecasting. You're manipulating me right now. Johnny, you're going to sign this contract, and we're going to write this book. I wonder how voice development of me writing for you would be. I don't know. I think you I think you think you know a lot and it would be interesting if I was if there was ever pushback, I think you would be hurt by that. No. You don't think? I get pushed back every day. That's I think you But think, it's not from like a twenty five year friend though. I think that that's what you think about me. And I think you'd be surprised how professional I would be. Here's the thing. If I'm actually writing in your voice, it matters to me a lot that you want it to sound a certain way. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, you wanna do you wanna do right by somebody who's a friend. So, and I would not want to, like, I think my criticism would be, like, immediate and like a butterfly emerging from my mouth. Like a, like a butt, like, as it was if your would, brain was a cocoon. <laughs> I would be like, I hate this, but it would come out <laughs> with <laughs> wings. <laughs> this is crap. Redo it. But it'd be like, it sounds like fluttering. of the lambs. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> you know, I think... I think my job. So here's if I was collaborating for you. Yeah. So everybody's different. Like some people really need me to help find their voice. Yeah. You're the kind of person that has a million things to say. What you really need for me to do is to push you to meet deadlines. That's what you really need, okay. and to help help it along. That's probably true. So I would say that's a fair assessment. I would say, all right, Johnny, we need fifty thousand words. <laughs> That's what it is. I'm going to write 10,000. Okay. And you're going to do the interview. I'm going to record it. I'm going to bring you 10,000 words. And I need you to work through it. And you may, again, change every sentence. But you would find that I gave you a piece of stone to start sculpting. That's yeah. what you really need. Then you'd sculpt. You might change it all. And it'd be what you like. But yeah. the odds of you sitting down and bringing your own stone to sculpt. Like, that's what I do, Johnny. I'm bringing the raw stone. Yeah. And then you'd be like, oh, cool. I got 10,000 words I love. And then I'd uh -huh. bring you the next 10,000. Yeah, there's a guy uh, who, maybe it wasn't a guy, maybe it was Anne Lamott that I was reading that she said when she's writing a first draft, she doesn't worry about the words at all yet. She just feels like she's uh, putting sand into the sandbox yeah. to start making something later. So she's like, I just throw all the sand I can into yep. the sandbox and then we make the castle. Yeah. Which is a good, that's a good analogy. Yeah. If I Seinfeld, there's a Seinfeld interview that I just listened to that he did years ago and he talked about his writing process and it really made me think about my writing process and how I need to reverse it because he says, I'm very forgiving of myself and very kind to myself when I'm writing because writing is the hardest thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. And he said, so I don't, I don't throw out any ideas and I don't, I don't reject any ideas. I throw all the ideas out that I can. I just write, 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 write. And he goes, then 
I turned into, and he gave the example of Lou Gossett from An Officer and a Gentleman, which is the drill sergeant. Yeah. He goes, then I turn into the drill sergeant, and I go, this is crap. This needs to be better. Yep. When I go do it live, I come back, I'm Lou Gossett again. But when I'm doing the work, I'm like, I'm treating myself with kid gloves. I'm like, this is good. Keep going. I'm babying myself. And I'm like, I think I'm Lou Gossett in the beginning. I'm already Lou Gossett yeah, when yeah. I start writing. Yeah, and it's, it's hard. You, yeah. can't, you can't be hard. And I think that's what I need to switch. It, it really like illuminated that principle in a way that nobody ever has before. I was like, he's right. This, yeah. is, what, this is what's wrong. Yeah, I think if you – I think it's really wise. You have to be okay with creating something. It's the yeah. ground – it's the empty page that gets everybody. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. The empty page. Getting a bunch, I always tell them, let's get a bunch of words on here. We may hate them all. Let's get a bunch of words, though. You'll feel better with a bunch of words on here. Yeah. You need to feel progress. Um, and then if any writers – I mean, I get all kinds of people who are writing better than I am, but they don't know how to get to the finish line, you know. Yeah. And I always say, like, that's interesting. He would say it. I always go, do not edit. Composition and editing are two different things. Man, if I try don't to edit write, as you go. Do not edit as you go. Like, you'll uh-huh. sit there, especially if you care about it. You'll write – three pages and then you'll spend another two hours changing those three pages when you could have written three more yeah like you need to write that's a good note i mean i need it i need that's the thing is i really do i think i i'm already thinking when i'm writing a joke like where will it work or will it not yeah i'm already like constructing a scenario in my head of it working or not working and until i get it in my head to that 75 percent it will work i probably won't say it on stage and that's probably a huge mistake yeah, I've often thought that you're making huge mistakes, but I didn't. <laughs> you didn't know exactly how to put it. In there. <laughs> See, I've helped you uh, put it into words. This, yeah. is, this is what we do. I think you're a brilliant mind, Johnny. All, oh, all seriousness, stop it. and I do think that the things you think are not at at level. I've noticed this. People are ready to laugh with you. It may even irritate you sometimes because you just want to be a, a dude sitting, you know. But they're ready because you are. Funny, funny is more than just the joke, and funny is even more than just the delivery. Yeah. Like they know that you're already like they're waiting. Like, oh, Johnny's going to make this you know funny. And so I've seen you do things that you didn't even think about funny, just sitting at a table, and you got to laugh. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Well, if I had done that, I would have got a groan. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, uh, John's trying to be funny. Ugh. I was watching State of the Church <laughs> videos the other day, and they were talking about Mort Wellington and Chet Simpson. Right. And the guys up front, they even said, you know, I like those guys. They're funny. And they go, well, Mort's funny. Oh. Chet thinks he's funny. And I, a single tear. I don't I remember. Think, was that something that some, I wrote? I don't know. I didn't write that. I don't know. I would never have I think it may have been you. the two guys taking taking a shot at the, at the That was pastor. them vamping. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought... I wouldn't have written that in the dialogue. But Johnny writes my lines. I'm the I'm the straight guy. Like I'm yeah. the non. I'm supposed. He's supposed to bounce the stuff off. You know. Mm-hmm. I did overact a lot in the beginning of those. Like I watched them because I had to share them with some candidates about our culture, and so I was like, "Oh wow!" Because it's hard. You just have nothing but your face. Were you gauge like when you were interviewing these candidates? Were were their reactions like you're like well I'm not hiring this guy. If you he didn't think this was funny. No, I didn't get any. <laughs> I'm sure, they felt the pressure of like I need to like these. No, I never quote, got quote funny videos of this church. I never made. got feedback. Oh yeah, I didn't require feedback. It was like hey, if you ever this is an extra resource if you want yeah. to see some stuff. But I noticed they get better. Like about about season three <laughs> is when we really kind of hit some strides. When you started doing the commercials, is when that's the when strides. people were able to turn off the captions. They understood our. They rhythm. understood what we were doing at that point. <laughs> 
And nothing still makes me laugh as hard as Clog the Bounty Plumber. Oh, right. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, that was the year we did like a bunch of like turning the channel commercials and yeah. things. Yeah. And then different like snippets of reality shows. And- In the animated, she gives us milk, but her stomach growls. She's rumbly, the lactose intolerant cow. Yeah. And just the little cow moving. And then the little tail comes up at the end. It's yeah. just like. That was our own David Altizer that drew yeah. that. Yeah. And we did a little jingle with it to give us milk, but it's not make <laughs> It's like this. It's like just ten seconds of yeah, just ridiculousness. That needs to be its own show. Rumbly the lactose intolerant cow. And my favorite part too was how you always had like this aside to someone in the audience. It was usually our two guys. Uh, it was it was Daryl and uh, Tony. Tony. And you always brought him back where. We stopped and made fun of ourselves for how stupid right. this was. They're watching it from their perspective right. and saying, like, why are they doing this? Dude, what do these guys do It's like all they're day? the, whatever, the, what are those characters in the Muppets, the two old guys? They have names, but I can never remember uh, the names. I can't either. Anyway, that's the, they're those guys. That's how in my head they were, yeah. is they're like, why would churches do this? This is what they spend our tithe money on? That kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. That was their idea. Although we didn't spend your, if you're go if you still go to church here, I promise you, we did not use your tithe money on this. <laughs> My budget was like forty two dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I'd buy like beard, beard, spirit gum. I'd, sometimes I'd have a mustache on. Sometimes we, we got so much out of like that forty two dollars, whatever oh, it did. was. Yeah. Well, and then you also wrote a line one year where they go, "They're spending our tithe money," and he goes, "Daryl, that's right. You don't tithe." <laughs> and they go, "Oh yeah, and well, that's they, right." They yeah. laugh. It was so good. Yeah, those those are good. It's you too did good. real. You did good, Johnny. Oh, stop it. The uh, I did see the one where where. Uh, Barney is on the scene. Oh, right. And our friend Rick Roberts plays Barney Five. CSI Mayberry. And we had actual Mount Juliet police officers out here. And yeah. there is a guy laying under a sheet with his hat on the side. That guy was me. That's right. And it was cold. And he has a shoe off. And my foot was freezing. Yeah. I don't know how many takes we took. Because this was January. And so he walks through the police line. Yeah, it's black and white. Black and white. Two actual police officers are there. Who delivered the lines? And he's like, "Well, what's yes, what situation?" Yeah, <laughs> and the guy goes, "It's Floyd the barber. He's been decapitated." And then he looks into the camera and goes, "Looks like somebody too, look, took a little too much off the top." And then, wow! Yeah. yeah, and it goes in CSI Mayberry. And you know, Rick has used that bit in his on his website and stuff for do you, years. Do you remember the outtake? Uh huh. <laughs> so he walks up. I forgot this. I found the outtake. He walks up. Uh-huh. He goes, "What's the situation?" He goes, uh, "It's Gomer." <laughs> You remember this? No. He's been, whatever, Gomer's been killed. And he goes down, he pulls out the sheet, and he looks at the camera, and he goes, well, surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I do not remember that. Wow. <laughs> and it goes right into it, yeah. Oh, man. I wonder how many of those you wrote. I want to see That's all true. of them. There's no telling, you know. <laughs> it would have been dark to do something about Opie. He was the kid. Uh, was he could have died from opioids. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I even wonder if anybody understands the, the intro to CSI Miami had that. It always David always Caruso scream, had the Who that, song. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, that's that's a reference now that right twenty something wouldn't get. Maybe. Now it's like I'm your Huckleberry. That was the number one show for five years or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I'm your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. I can never see it again. So <sighs> the same. So sorry. Yeah, maybe it's wrong, but mm, we'll get corrections from this on by listeners. They'll be like, actually, I would welcome corrections on this. That would be. Uh, you know, Johnny, I we welcome, welcome your edits. I live a life of confession. We've been just raking sand into the sandbox the last 45 minutes, and now we it's, want to make a castle, and you need to help us make that castle. When you gave that example, I was thinking, do artists make things in sandboxes? Like, I would think 
we're putting the sand into the glass blower or something. Like I, for me, it's more like a litter box. I <laughs> I put a bunch of little tiny rocks and debris into a box. Yeah, I like that you edited that down to rocks and debris. Then I uh, I make something, if you will. <laughs> it clumps. And I scoop that out, and I go, look what I made, everybody. <laughs> and sometimes they laugh at it, and sometimes they go, mm, not for me. No. And I throw that away. Right. That's so you're, uh, if you were an animal, you'd be a cat comedian, is yeah. what you're saying. I am, yeah. Because you're suspicious. Suspicious. You're not I'm an cuddly. introvert. Yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, I, li- I want you when I want you, and otherwise get away from me, <laughs> claws out. Right. And uh, Do you know any dog comedians? Like, they're super loyal to the audience, I guess. Yeah. They always show up no matter what. You pay them. Tail wagon. I was excited to see you. Yeah, yeah. They just play off the, the the crowd's energy. Yeah, yeah. It's not you. No, I think you're right. There, there's something here. There's something here, Johnny. Yeah. We could do something with this. Yeah. Are you a dog comedian or cat comedian? I mean, <laughs> we got to work on the title still. Yeah. But that's the gist of it. Wow. We just wrote a best-selling book right there. Because right. I'm sure comedians buy books. I need fifty thousand words from you by the weekend. <laughs> Well, I'm going to give you 10. I need you okay. to rework them. 10 words? Ten. We're just starting small. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to break down 50,000 words into 5 million increments of 10 words. Um, maybe that's how you feel, listener. Maybe mm. you feel that we've broken down words into smaller increments and we've invited you to expand them into maybe something. We've invited you into our litter box. Yeah. And we thank you for scooping it and not judging us. Yeah. Because let me tell you something. If you knew the prep time we put... Oh, yeah. Into this. It's a lot. I mean, wow. It would surprise you. I drove I'll o- say that. I drove it, over here. <laughs> if you knew the prep time, it would surprise you. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Uh, no, hey, thank, thanks to all of you who uh, are supportive of this by listening and also support us on Patreon. Yeah. Well, if they wanted to learn more, Johnny, what would they do? Talk about that podcast.com where you have uh, almost 200 episodes archived for you. Yeah. And uh, you can binge those if you like. Not unlike Downton Abbey. You don't even need the captions on. No. We speak very clearly, yeah. I would say. I, I would say. And, uh, yeah, there's a Patreon link there if you want to kick in a few shekels. It makes you feel better. If not, we know it's tough financial times for some people. Some of you really have thrived, and we're sick of you mooching. Right. So yeah. get on it. Right. You've quit your job is why, you know, wherever it was, and you're working from your computer making twice as much money right now. So, uh, so yeah. So go ahead and click that link. There, we're not saying there's shame or pressure. No. We're just saying you should feel ashamed. Just in general. Right. Just if you didn't. And then go ahead and convert some of that shame into an, a mon- you know, some kind of monetary amount I find us. A, a good gospel perspective is when you feel shame instead of like you should do something about it to try uh-huh. to earn your way back into good graces. Listen, I mean, it's right there in the if Bible. If we've said nothing else, please take that to the bank. <laughs> And then make a withdrawal from right that from bank. that bank. Yeah. Go ahead and set up a direct deposit for us. From That'd be great. Bank. Look, yeah. okay. No, uh, but seriously though, check it out, Johnny. Uh, yesterday, yes. um, we got the first coat of paint onto the new video studio. Oh, we're so excited! So YouTube clips and live video mm-hmm. is coming. Yeah, live video is coming, and the equipment's here, and now the room's almost done, and we're going to yeah. hopefully have us uh, our first prototype video-based one. Uh, I do want to say, too, that this will come out on Monday. I have a show in Nashville as a TV taping at Zany's, so if you're a Nashville listener and you want to come to that show, that'd be great to see you. It's at Zany's on Monday night, the 21st, and then also the 24th, I'm in London, Kentucky. That's an open-to-the-public show that you can get tickets for. Yeah. And then there's a show in Waukesha, Wisconsin, 
on the 25th that's open to the public. And that's with Bob Smiley and Claiborne Cox, nice. two buddies. It's going to be a great show. Yeah. So if you're in Nashville, London, Kentucky, or Milwaukee area, come see me this week. Yeah. Well, make a trip. up the road. road trip. We're trying. Yeah. Hey, check out all of Johnny's comedy as well. As Dry Bar was top 10 in 2021. Dry Bar. It's very prestigious. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a real big deal. So go check them out there. Uh, leave them a review. Uh, that, that really helps other Read John's books. Them. If you start reading right now, it would take you the rest of the year to finish 28, 20, 38 books. 20, 20, I don't know, 28, I think. It's too many. Well, you couldn't find them all. Some of those are like unpublished things, but they're books I wrote. But that you makes could probably, it, you could that find makes about it even more cool. It's like a secret quest, like a Nicolas yeah. Cage movie. Things I wouldn't release now, but there's about fifteen you could go read. Uh, you can go actually my Amazon author page and find those if you'd like. like. You pull the candelabra and like an unpublished manuscript of yours comes <laughs> out. out. Like, yeah, you tuck it in your coat and you sneak out of the building. Yeah. And then you, as you're reading it, you're like, why did I hide this and sneak out? I yeah. And why did I sneak? No one cared. Right. At all. It was, and, why would I? Why was I pulling on the candelabra anyway? Right. And why did John have a candelabra in his office? <laughs> like, there's so many whys, really. Yeah. But uh, hey, yeah, go and check it out. And if you haven't, and actually, a lot of you have uh, left us Amazon reviews and and ratings. Hey, that really, really helps. And yeah. If, if you haven't done that yet, if you leave a rating, it takes literally like three seconds. Just go push five stars. And uh, and but I would love for you to write something as well. And leave us, you know, your your. Uh, honest opinion of those things, but that helps. Not so black and white book.com where you can find us on Amazon. Follow my co author, Reggie Dabbs. I mean, the guy's amazing. We did another interview yesterday. Bro, I mean, he's just the real deal, man. I just love my time with him and uh, just honored to get to to write about those things with him. So check it out. And uh, anything else you have for us, questions, comments, uh, thoughts you'd like to hear us uh, opine about, mm-hmm. you can uh, send us those to just go to, you know, notsoblackandwhitepodcast.com. You'll find email addresses there. No, talk about that podcast.com. What did I say? Notsoblackandwhitepodcast.com. <laughs> John has co-opted. Because I've started a new podcast. Wow. Apparently, right there. Wow. Wow. Jeez. That website does not exist, but now you're going to go buy that domain. I'm going to go buy it right now. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Hey, guys, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.